Alright everyone, welcome back to another episode of Locked On Gators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Make sure to throw me a follow on Twitter. My name is Zach Goodall, and you can find me at Zach underscore Goodall, as well as my co-host for today, Brandon Carroll. He's with me throughout the week, replacing Demetrius as he is away on personal issues. You can find Brandon at It's B. Carroll. Brandon, say what's up to the people. How's it going, everybody? Glad to be back for another edition of the show. I'm uh, excited to get into today's slate of topics. Yeah, we got a good amount to talk about. And last but not least, make sure to go and follow Locked On Gators at Locked On Gators on Twitter. Stay up to date on all of our shows and activity. Today's show is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. Now, today we got a couple different things to talk to you about as we crawl a little bit closer to Florida returning to action against Missouri. It feels like it's been forever as a part of 2020 where one day feels like five and a week feels like five years. So we're almost there. We're almost got football back. It's almost time. Uh, We're excited to see what will happen. But first, we're going to be talking about some off-the-field stuff, that being recruiting as the Gators just landed a commitment from elite athlete out of Lake Gibson, Florida, Sam McCall, just minutes before we recorded this show on Wednesday night on his birthday. It's something that we saw coming. We're going to talk a little bit about his game and what he brings to the Gators class of 2022. After that, we're going to be previewing Missouri a little bit on both sides of the ball, what we've seen, the threats they pose to Florida, getting a little more in-depth than when we talked about them earlier in the week. Brandon, we'll start with Sam McCall. He just released his commitment video. It was pretty cool. He told Dan Mullen that he was committing as a part of the video with him on FaceTime. Uh, It was something they shot over the past couple days at Lake Gibson. It was a cool video. It was something that I must say that I expected to see. I said it on the show and in a story, I predicted him to commit to Florida. Uh, He's a talented, talented cornerback. What do you think about this addition? I think it's a great addition. And I think it brings a lot of versatility to a Gators team that, uh, you know, can use it. Uh, Obviously that's been a focal point as of late to get guys that can really play uh, in multiple positions. This is one that not only can play in multiple positions or at multiple positions defensively, uh, he can even flip to the offensive side of the ball. We can see packages for him um, in, in Dan Mullen's scheme uh, for that Gators offense. And, you know, a, a talented player uh, as Sam McCall is, uh, it's never going to be a situation where you, we don't look at it and say, this dude's a stud. You know, he, he is, despite it being out 2022, I know a lot of people are still focused on the 2021, but don't, don't, you know, kind of overlook this commitment. This is a huge commitment, and this is really one that could turn the tide for Florida in terms of getting those uh, elite prospects, um, especially out of their home state. Um, Zach, I was just wondering, what do you think about McCall's game that intrigues you the most? Well, before I touch on that, I do want to add to your point about the importance of landing a guy like this. You know, he is a consensus five-star prospect by recruiting services, They beat out Alabama for him. He's from Alabama. He's a Bama boy, and that was the main competition to the end. You want to see those close to signing day. It's something we've talked about before. You want to see Florida win those battles more. But they're getting off to a great start in the class of 22, and that's one guy you want to build momentum off of as you continue to look to beat Bama on the trail. So great great addition, and hopefully you can build off of that. Uh, In terms of what he brings to the table, yeah, he's a 6'2", 185 guy that, you know, people think you want to put that at corner. Maybe you play him at receiver. No, I'm sorry. You want to put that at safety, uh, or maybe you put him at receiver. He's going to play corner. They've recruited him as a corner. He's close to Torian Gray. 
Uh, he fits the mold uh, of a lengthy corner that they like. You see it in Kyrie Elam and guys they've recruited as of late. So while you like that length playing back at safety, you know, Florida's a press-heavy scheme. They like to press you even when they drop back into zone. That's something that they do at Lake Gibson. They run a lot of three and a lot of one, but they always line up in press, and sometimes they'll bail. And he's the athlete that can play both man and, and zone coverages while showing that press because he's so strong, he's so long, and he could just, you know, could stay stride with stride, uh, in stride with you moving down the field 40 yards downfield because he's that fast for a guy of his size. He'll like to come down. He'll like to hit you. He likes to do all the things that you like to see that make a well-rounded cornerback really good. And at the same time, he's still got a really high ceiling considering how athletic, how strong, and how big he can continue to get. So perfect type of cornerback that can come in and perhaps maybe make an immediate impact. And at the same time, you know we can continue to help develop him into a full-blown star. Absolutely. And I think, you know, something that it can kind of be lost on uh, a corner is just his physicality at the line. He's someone he can not only can, you know, for his size, run stride for stride with some of the top talent uh, at wide receiver, but he's going to bully you at the line of scrimmage. You got to get off of that. And that's something Florida needs right now is uh, a guy that, you know, can kind of just overpower some of these wide receivers that the SEC are putting in year in and year out. Much, uh, and made I, a lot more Kyrie Elams. Yes, it, in fact, yeah, uh, as a fact, Sam McCall, you know, he, he's going to be uh, Kyra Elam-esque in terms of I believe that he comes in and he sees early, early playing time the way Kyra Elam did as a freshman just last Ooh, season. Even with the recruiting they've had recently, they've loaded up. A I do. But I do think he's I, a guy that's capable. Yeah. I agree with you for sure. Yeah, that's that is that is without a doubt the way you want to get things started in the class of 2022. And something worth noting, at Lake Gibson, it's a talented, talented team. A lot of D1 kids on that roster. There's a member of that secondary that joins McCall in uh, safety, Javante McClendon. He plays free safety for him. That has a great relationship with Coach English. Uh, he's got an offer from Florida. Uh, he's going to end up trimming his list uh, of schools down sometime after the season, I believe, when I got to speak with him. I, he's another one. I would expect Florida to make that list and be in it to the end. They would love to get both of these guys into their class. It's a good tandem, really, for to have in your secondary. and to continue. I, You know that they'll want to load up, but that's a great start right there if you can get both of them. Absolutely, and I think a big thing about that is just keeping the chemistry that they've already built at the high school level. Uh, you know, a lot of the time you, they get to the college level and it's two dudes that, you know, they've never played together before. So there's a bit of a transition period. You get uh, Sam McCall and Javante McClendon, you know, they're they're on the same side. They kind of know what each other, you know, what they like to do. And, the, you know, kind of I feel like it's an easier transition into the scheme that Florida runs. That's obviously very similar to what Lake Gibson likes to do as well. As you said, uh, they, they, they love the press. Um, they, they love to play fast, physical, and aggressive, which is something Florida has been, you know, they, they've harped on since Dan Mullen took over in 2018. So uh, I definitely like uh, Sam McCall and Javante McClendon coming in right behind him. Um, obviously, it might be a little bit longer in terms of him announcing his commitment, but that would be no short of another very successful uh, land for the 2022 Gators recruiting class. We'll keep things a little bit more 2020 when we come back from these messages as we are going to be talking up Florida's upcoming opponent, the Missouri Tigers, just the challenges that they can present to the Gators from what we've seen after reviewing some of their tape, look at some of their stats. Who are their playmakers? Who are their threats? You'll find out. After. What's up, everybody? This is Zach Goodall, host of the Locked On Gators podcast. These days, everything is go, go, go. 
It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Whether it's work, friends, family, a million pressing social issues, or just an expectation in general to be on 24-7. Sometimes you need to just take a moment, turn off, hit reset. You need to chill. And that's when you reach for a Coors Light. Especially on game days, man. I'll tell you what, I can't really drink much during college football Saturdays, but on NFL Sundays, it's therapeutic for me, man, to sit down, drink a beer, and enjoy some football. And that's what I do. I'll reach for a Coors Light. It's the official beer of watching any sport just to drink beer. It's mountain cold refreshment that's literally made to chill. It's cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. Coors Light is the beer I choose when I need to unwind. So when you need to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. That's get.coorslight.com to get Coors Light delivered straight to your door. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. All right, guys, it's time to get real. I'm sick and tired of going to the storefronts, looking for a car part, and I can't find it. I don't care how many different cars there are in America right now, and no, I don't want to wait 10 business days for you to find my part either. I'm over it. That's why I've started to go on rockauto.com. I don't even have to leave my place. I can just log on, find my part, and get it. On top of having to wait forever at a store, they upcharge you upwards to 30, 50, maybe 100% more than rockauto.com. That's ridiculous. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Make sure to write in locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Rockauto.com. Make your life easier. Make the storefront's life harder. Go get your stuff. Rockauto.com. Missouri is off to a 2-2 two and two start in Elia Drinkowitz's first season as the head coach for the Tigers. Uh, back-to-back wins coming off of a big win against LSU, and then one that was less exciting, but certainly a good win nonetheless against Kentucky. Brandon, we're going to start on the offensive side of the ball for Missouri and the challenges they can present to a defense for Florida that we talked about last night. Doesn't really want to change their philosophy, but kind of has. They're not physical, they're not fast, they're not aggressive like they always want to be. And that could be an issue going against a quarterback, retro freshman Connor Bazalik, who has come out and been really efficient and explosive in his first start, but just efficient in general. Yeah, for sure. I mean, this is a kid that, it, despite being only a redshirt freshman, is is coming out and he's throwing 70.7% uh, of his passes for completions. And so uh, it, he's definitely a guy that the Gators need to get after early and often. Uh, he's only been sacked four times throughout this season, one in each game that he's played in. He's played in all uh, of Missouri's games this year, but he's only started in two of them. Uh, he kind of took over that role against Tennessee and then, uh, ended up starting against LSU in which he threw all four of his touchdown passes this season um, in that game where they kind of proved that they can hang in with some of that, those high-powered uh, offenses in terms of scoring points. And then last week we saw, you know, Missouri, we saw him execute the game plan that Missouri had laid out for Kentucky and just controlling the clock, clock and continue churning out those yards to keep Kentucky 
offense off the field. And ultimately, we just saw a dominant victory over a Kentucky team that, you know, hasn't looked great, but they're still, you know, they're still on top that I'd say uh, at least top five in the SEC East. Um, And so it's impressive what they've been able to do so far. And like I said yesterday, um, this is a team, they don't do anything great, but they do a lot of little things good. And it just so happens to be that those little things are what hurt has hurt Florida to this point in the season. And I'd say that Bazalik didn't have a great game against Kentucky either, but it's exactly that. He came in and executed where they needed him to execute. And that's all you got to do to beat this Florida defense at this point, really. And especially if you can depend on a decent run game, to say the least. And they've got one. They've got a guy that we talked about in Lee Roundtree who's been there for what feels like forever. Uh, and they've got a pretty good guy who can compliment him as well that I know you're a fan of. So, you know, give us a breakdown on that one-two punch and how it can kind of complement what Bezalik is able to do. Well, you know, you have what Missouri does well is they, you know, hand the ball off and let their running backs go to work. I mean, Larry Roundtree the third, as well as Tyler Batty, um, have each uh, combined for over 100 carries this season in just four games. Uh, after a, a rather slow start and losing both of their first two games, they kind of bounce back for of sorts um, and have played at a high level uh, against LSU in Kentucky. And I mean, uh, last week, obviously, we saw Tyler Roundtree and Tyler Batty um, both put up respectable numbers in terms of just being, you know, being able to churn those yards out downfield. I mean, it was only uh, a 20 to 10 victory, but I mean, Larry Roundtree carried the ball 37 times. He, the, the, his workload is high. And so I just think that with a team that is so focused on establishing that run, a Florida team that has struggled to counter that attack is, is going to struggle against a one-two punch that brings Tyler Roundtree or Larry Roundtree with that uh, kind of bulldozing, you know, imposing his will physically. And then Tyler Batty, who can get to the outside and he can make you miss because of his speed and acceleration. So I, I really like what they're what they've done with those two guys um, so far this season in terms of utilizing them and playing to their strengths and, and rotating them efficiently uh, to start the season. Roundtree is someone that came in and you know right as a freshman kind of popped off in a limited role. As a sophomore, he ran for a thousand two hundred and sixteen yards on two hundred twenty five carries and eleven touchdowns. It was his huge breakthrough season. Last year kind of took a step back, and then this year it's just been more of the consistent, like you said, he turns out yards. 4.6 yards per carry. He's not overly electric, but they can depend on him just when they need him to get a couple of yards. And like we say, it's almost like every aspect of Florida's defense. Like, there's just no dependability. If Missouri comes in and says, hey, it's a third and four, and we want to round uh, Larry Roundtree up the gut, chances are he's going to get those four yards. Like, there's very little optimism that Florida can come in and, you know, stop those type of plays so what will it take for the Gators to be able to turn that corner I think really in, in my opinion I think uh the re-addition of Kyrie Campbell is going to be huge for Florida this weekend um you know he is a guy not only uh, a talented uh, defensive tackle as well as really one of the hearts of that defense that they've been missing to this point I mean he is a uh I'm pretty sure this is his third year starting uh, at Florida he has been uh, a talented guy for them in recent years and just getting someone like that back could give them a boost to be able to take down a Larry Roundtree who's going to try to uh you know dominate going running right up the gut so it's 
it's going to be it's going to take more than just Campbell being on the field. But I do think, uh, you know, having him in in those situations can provide a, a, an opportunity that we haven't seen from Florida to this point of being able to get those necessary stops to get the ball back into the hands of their prolific offense to this point in the season. We've talked about Bezalek and what he's been able to do in his two games. But when we look at their receiver core, I mean, I've not seen anyone that's been extremely explosive other than, you know, they've got a solid leading receiver in Jalen Knox. who got 19 receptions for 216 yards. But like you said, Bezalek threw all four of his touchdowns on the season against LSU. They have five on the year when it's all said and done in the receiving game. So is there anyone that you think poses a threat against, you know, maybe a guy that's been struggling in Marco Wilson or Donovan Steiner? Well, I would say uh, I, I do like their two leading receivers in Jalen Knox and Damon ha- Hazleton. Uh, I do think Hazleton is the one, despite being, uh, you know, having less than Knox. I think Hazleton's the one that kind of presents those issues. Um, I think we'll see a lot of Kyrie Elam on him. But um, for the most part, I think where Florida could falter is with uh, Tyler Batty out of the backfield. I know I already mentioned him in the run game, but he is a recipient of two of the um, Bazalic touchdowns to this point in the season. So he is a threat out of the backfield. He's averaging uh, 17.6 yards per reception and has a long of a 54. So if they let him get in space, he can ma- he can make players miss and he can you really hurt them uh, on the ground as well as through the air. So I think he's going to be a guy uh, that is – you know, he could hurt Donovan Steiner if that's, uh, you know, that matchup takes place. So uh, it's definitely something to keep an eye on uh, for Florida as they go in in preparation for this week. That's where I we'll want to see linebackers step up. We've talked about wanting to see guys like Derek Wingo or Tyron Hopper on the field. Guys that were praised as prospects for their coverage abilities. And we've seen lackluster playing coverage from Florida's linebackers. Decent play from Ventral Miller at times, and he certainly improved from a year ago. But opposite of him, Amari Bernie, James Houston, Muamu Diabate, they're just not cutting it too much in coverage. We would like to see those young guys potentially find a role. And they might need to against a guy like Tyler Batty, who is a threat out of the backfield. Curious to see what those matchups look like on Saturday. We'll be flipping the script. We'll be talking about Missouri's defense after these messages. Nick Bolton leads the linebacker group and kind of that man in the middle of the defense has been at Missouri for some time. I remember highlighting him last year. He's back on this defense again. He's their leader in snaps. And they've also got some defensive linemen who could create some issues for Florida and their pass-heavy offense. If they scheme their two pass rushers that have been doing well this year against a certain right tackle from Florida. Brandon, when you look at Missouri's defense, I mean, I'll just ask you right off that do you think they're capable of slowing Florida's offense down enough especially given the circumstances of not playing for a couple of weeks to make this game more threatening than it should be no I don't think it's necessarily Missouri's defense that could do it I think it could be a uh, a mix of um, things from the hiatus of sorts that Florida has had to undergo uh, these past two weeks Um, I am a bit concerned about you know, like you said, the pressure off the edge from uh, Trajan Jeffco and Trey Williams, who um, I'm pretty sure uh, have each 11 plus pressures on the season with Jeffco having three sacks, Trey Williams having one. So um, those are some guys that can cause problems for Gators offensive line that hasn't seen contact with an opponent uh, since they faced off against Texas A&M. But in general, I would say that this Missouri defense 
hasn't been spectacular to this point in the season. I mean, obviously you mentioned Nick Bolton, who is coming off a season where he had 100 uh, tackles, uh, and he already has 43 this season, so he's already starting off pretty well uh, to begin his, I'm pretty sure, going to be his senior, uh, junior campaign. Uh, my apologies, but it's, it's going to be his junior campaign. So overall, I think what Florida has done leading up to this point, despite this two-week break, uh, they'll be able to reacclimate themselves um, rather quickly and find success in a Missouri unit defensively that's still trying to find their their identity um, this season. Missouri ranks fifth in the conference in total defense, giving up 365 yards per game, 243 through the air, 122 on the ground, give or take with some decimals in there. So they, they are allowing offenses to be balanced. Maybe Florida will come out with a more balanced attack if they are able to get some pressure. I'd love to see some running game action under the lights, man. Especially if they if they can find a way to really balance out the attack and use their running backs. I know I've talked about giving Damian Pierce the ball a lot, but with a dependable linebacker in the middle of the field and Nick Bolton, if you're able to use three different running backs in three different ways and trick up that second level of the defense, you should be able to find a lot of success in the run game or even – one of Missouri's biggest threats is a pass-catching running back. If you can get Malik Davis a lot of targets, that could be a way that Florida just you know turns away at the clock and moves efficiently. Yeah, definitely. And I think um, you know using that backfield is going to be, uh, at least in my opinion, I think that's you're, you're going to have to see a rotation of guys. Obviously, Damian Pierce as the uh, leader of sorts, but getting Naquan Wright involved, getting Malik Davis involved in more than one way, you know, like you said, run game, pass game, could proved to be the recipe for success in Flo- for Florida. Um, I mean, this is a Missouri Tigers unit that, you know, that when they went against LSU, they allowed 479 yards total, but only 49 from, you know, rushing the football on 20 attempts. So they can, they have shown that, you know, they are willing to allow teams to just, uh, just throw the ball, you know, through the air and not have that balance attack. I think at the end of the day, Florida could find themselves up at some point in this game, which could lead them to giving Damian Pierce the more carries than he's gotten to this point in the season, which ultimately controls the clock, which is exactly what Missouri wants to do. And, you know, kind of flipping the script on them could result in Florida really, you know, throwing them off of their game plan. Is there anyone from the secondary that stands out to you? I see, according to PFF, Joshua Bledsoe is a guy that gets targeted a lot, but he's only allowed a, a completion on 50% of the, the throws going his way. Has four pass breakups there. Um, but otherwise, you know, they're not creating turnovers. It seems like one that Florida, you know, Kyle Trash shouldn't have much of an issue with. Yeah, I, you know, outside of Bledsoe, who does have those four um, pass breakups, the only other guy that I could really see is Nick Bolton, who has three of his own. But, I mean, he's playing in the middle. Um, so, where Florida kind of, uh, I think where they could struggle is the only place on this uh, stat sheet that I'm looking at is Missouri's had two forced fumbles and they reco- they've recovered them both. Uh, one being uh, by way of Bledsoe, who has really, I, I believe, to be one of the standouts uh, in general on this defensive unit. Um, the other coming from Trey Williams, who I mentioned earlier as a pretty aggressive um, uh, premier edge rusher um, for the Tigers. But obviously Florida, they yield one of the, one of the best uh, athletes in the nation. And that is with Kyle Pitts, who has brought 
a just different type of receiving option for the Florida Gators this season for Kyle Trask to utilize. Um, outside of that, you know, they, they do still have Trayvon Grimes. Uh, you know, they've been heavily relying on Kadarius Tony. He's really molded himself into a more complete receiver this season um, with the way he's able to run routes. And uh, we all know that he has been a dominant um, elite, elite player playmaker with the ball in his hands um, throughout his collegiate career. And so I don't really see anything on here that makes me think Florida shouldn't be able to score, you know, the points and, kind of pick on a Missouri the Missouri secondary. So would you think that this could end up being a shootout? I I do think it could be a shootout um but I think that unlike the, I think it's going to be a similar type of game to the LSU game. Um I, I don't want to, you know, that um Missouri played where they won 45 to 41. Uh it's just going to be, you know, really about just outlasting the opponent. Um but I do think we can see Florida, um, you know, I, I think we see Florida not pull away because I do think that they, um, Missouri ultimately, ultimately covers the spread of 13 that has been put on this game to this point. But at the same time, I think Florida can possibly win this game by more than just one score, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely see that. I mean, We'll see as we get closer and we find out who's playing and who's not, because that's going to be such an important factor. We might even need to do a podcast on Saturday if we get a feel earlier in the day for who's playing and who's not. It could be that dramatic with coming out of an outbreak. We won't know who's available and who's not for the Gators until that point. Could definitely sway things. We're interested to see how that happens. And we'll be talking to you guys a lot more about this upcoming return to football for the Florida Gators against the Missouri Tigers on tomorrow's episode of Lockdown Gators. You won't want to miss it, so make sure to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes and just about anywhere else that you can listen to podcasts. Follow us on Twitter. You can find me at Zach underscore Goodall. You can find Brandon at It's B. Carroll. And most importantly, go follow at Locked on Gators. You'll never miss an episode that way. We'll catch up with you guys next time. Holy shit, I think I read something totally wrong. I think I was reading the stats off wrong. Oh, gotcha.